The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome and thanks for tuning in this week. It's great to have you with us. I'm glad you're with with me today and my two guests, which I'll get to in just a second. So if you've been tuning into this program, which is called Working on Purpose, then you know that what I'm really trying to do is to connect you with interesting guests that have more meaningfully found a way to connect with their work. It means something to them beyond just the paycheck. And I think that's kind of a cool way to spend your day. And I think it's maybe a way for you to learn something, get a new perspective, those kinds of things. So that's what the show is all about. If you were with us last week, you got to hear from Derek Smith, who is the VP of Operations of the Metropolitan YMCA in Fort Worth here in Texas. What he did is he shared with us his early experience of being a YMCA kid, growing up playing basketball in the Y, all those kind of good things, going away for camps. And then he talked to us about how he went away to college, fully expecting that he was going to become a basketball coach at some university. But somehow the tug of the YMCA brought him back and kept him here for a career of 24 years so far, and he's been loving it. So his whole thing is he loves knowing knowing that he's making a difference in the lives of kids in his community, working with other senior leaders in the area to affect change, and really developing more generations of volunteers who can further extend the wise mission or reach into the community. That's really what, it's, what it is for him. So, and of course, for me, since I've known Derek for years, have been on his board, served as a chairman of the board there too, his interview brought back some really fun memories for me as well. So this week, we're going a totally different direction. I have two young ladies with me. Both are 12 years old and attend an all-girls school here in Dallas, a middle school. Um, They also have two completely different ideas about what they want to be when they grow up. And I loved the idea of developing this week's show because I think most of us can remember fondly what it was that we probably thought we wanted to be when we grew up, whether or not we actually achieved that or not. But now, a side story here. Luckily for me, what I wanted to be when I grew up didn't actually come to pass. So when I was in second grade, I guess that makes me about eight or so, my very first ambition was, and I'm not kidding about this, I aspired to be a horse. Yes, the animal with four legs and tail. And the reason for that is because I grew up on a farm, and my very best friend in the whole world was my white Arabian horse named Sugarfoot. So to me, I thought, hey, that's as good as it gets. I'm gonna be, when I grow up, I'm going to become a horse. So uh, you can imagine how hard that was for my parents. They were horrified. Now, I don't know how long I had that idea, but it did go away, thankfully. And alas, I did not grow up to become a horse. Um, but what I can tell you, though, is that these two ladies have a decidedly much more mature perspective on the world of work than I did back then. So the way the show is going to work this week is, uh, on the first part of the show, I'm going to bring in Gabriela Cortez, who is actually my daughter, as you might already know by the name. 
and she's going to talk about her interests. And then after the first break, I'm going to bring in Cedelia Rochelle about her interests. And so we'll have two different guests coming in um, this week. So to say a little something about, about, about Gabby, I was like to say something about how I know these people. Obviously, she's my, she's my daughter, so that's how it came to be. But I've known for at least the last five years that she's been fondly interested in cooking. So she's had a few influences in her life that have helped that come along. But uh, she had a couple of telltale signs along the way that also made it start to look like it was heading that direction for her. But just one fast story. I can tell you that uh, as I was finishing a day of work probably two years ago, it's like three o'clock in the afternoon and she comes home from school and she's like, what's going to be for dinner tonight? And I'm like, I have no idea. I'm so busy. I've got emails. I, got, I don't know. I haven't even thought about it. And I kid you not, I came down the stairs from my home office and it was six o'clock at that point and I hadn't even thought about it. And I came around the corner and she said, it's okay, mama. I took care of it. And this kid had taken out every vegetable in the refrigerator, made a beautiful homemade broth-based soup, a nice salad, and here's the topper. She opened a nice bottle of red wine for me. And she said, I I took care of it. I knew you were busy. So I think that was a bit of foreshadowing for her. So uh, thanks for joining us, Gabby. It's really wonderful to have you on the show. I'm really proud to have you here. Thanks. Uh, I'd just like to say that I'm really excited to be on this because it's not very often that you get to hear a, a 12-year-old on a professional radio show. So It's pretty awesome. I'm, I'm really glad that you get to be here. And one thing I do want to point out, I don't know how many of you remember fondly those days when you were a kid and maybe wore braces. But, of course, Gabby does wear braces, and she has an appliance. And so, of course, that makes it hard for her to talk sometimes. So um, know that her lisp is related to her wonderful years of wearing braces. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a few questions for you, and I know okay. the answers to many of those, but the, of course our audience doesn't. So yeah. um, the first thing I want to ask you is, what kind of what is your favorite subject in school? What do you like to study most? I I like math. I I really like math. Uh, I've always had someone working with me on math, and I think that's helped a lot with my capability of being successful in math. Mm-hmm. And now, what is it about math? One of the things that you said, there's something about the tidy nature of it that I think you said you liked. Yeah, part of it's because I like being able to have an answer that you can get to with a formula, mm-hmm. that you can easily get the answer, or to, as with cooking, that you can easily get the recipe. I was just going to say that, interestingly enough. I was going to bring it back to the recipe. That's pretty cool you did that on your own. Um, all right, so what you what do you do in your spare time? That's another thing that people should probably know about you. When you're not in school, what else are you doing? So I, I do a lot of things. I Or I would like to say I do a lot of things. I, I study with my dad. I, I play tennis. I, I obviously cook. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, do, I, I play piano. So I, I think that's all really cool. Mm-hmm. That's enough to keep you pretty busy, huh? Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about this idea that you have of what you want to be when you grow up. So say a little something about it. I've already advertised it. People have heard heard about it from the episode description, but say, what is it that you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a chef. I w- want to be someone who can cook things for other people and make someone have memories brought back to them with what they taste. Which is pretty amazing when you think about that. Uh, I don't know, uh, there's a lot of chefs out there in the world, and we even my first show was with a chef. 
And I think everybody connects to the work a little bit differently. And the fact that somehow you want to connect people back to memories is pretty impressive and frankly something I didn't even know myself as your mother until we talked about it a few days ago. Um, so let's first talk about where the idea come from. Where, how long have you known that you wanted to be a chef first? Uh, I, I would say that I've known that I wanted to be a chef for about about four years. Um, but I think it started when I always, I always used to go to my grandma's house, who I call Nanny, and she would always have dough ready for me when I came in so that we could make bread. And I think that's part of the reason that I love cooking so much. So what was it about that experience? Was it just comfortable? Was it that you got to work with your hands? What do you think it was that made that experience so inviting for you? Well, like you said, hands-on. I like I like making and doing things with my hands. I also like getting to just the idea of creating things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so your nanny has been a big influence. Uh, any others in your life? Anything else that, that you've done, or I should say, that you've experienced in your short life so far that have contributed to your interest? Well... Uh, earlier in uh, my life, I guess, I went to Crested Butte for Christmas, and I had a blast. But I also got to experience a sleigh ride up to a very nice uh, restaurant, and I asked the waitress if I could see the kitchen. She immediately came back, and she said, you can see the kitchen. And so I saw the kitchen. I took pictures. I took pictures with the chef. It was just a cool experience. And later on that evening, the same waitress came back and said, the chef has summoned you to the kitchen to make dessert. So it was really cool that I got to actually be a part of making something for someone in a in an a real restaurant. That was really cool. Yeah, and we, the guests, actually ate your dessert. Yeah. Uh, the other thing about that trip that's really amazing, so that was at the, the Yuli cabin there in Crusted Butte, but what's also amazing about that trip, I think, and perhaps telling, and this is related to the idea of influences and where you where you get some of these ideas from. I don't know if you remember this, but you got up every single morning while we, we were there for the week and you watched something, whether it was Bobby Flay yeah. or some <laughs> cooking show. Bobbies. Right, some cooking show in the morning before any of us got up. And then you learned something from that show. And when we all got up, you made breakfast for us. Mm. And you included something that you learned while you were listening mm-hmm. or watching to that show. Do you remember that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so those are other influences. And so what I like to be able to, to help people understand is that as a young person, there are so many ways that we can be influenced to do the work that we want to do. In your case, you had a great advantage in your grandmother, who you call Nanny. Mm-hmm. You've been watching these TV shows for quite some time. Um, I think those are amazing. Now, of course, I grew up in the restaurant business, and that's different for me. It's, I didn't aspire to be a chef, but I had some of the same influences, but didn't take them the same way that you did. You think that's amazing? That is really cool. It's, it's just, Especially you know. considering that you're my mom. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, we do a lot of entertaining, but that doesn't really count. Though one thing along those lines that you tend to do, right? What happens when we entertain here at the house? What do you tend to do? Well, I I tend to go more towards the side 
can I make anything for you? And if they say yes, I would usually say, can I, I'm going to make you an appetizer. And usually that would mean some sort of bread with a dipping sauce or something that is along those lines. Mm-hmm. I remember a couple of times when, too, you like also making dessert sauces out of fruits. Yeah. And so I remember there was a time when we had people over and we were sitting around having a glass of wine and you finished the evening with ice cream with, I forget what kind of fruit it was, maybe it was apple or something. You made like a fresh apple sauce over the top of the ice cream and it was really yummy. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yeah. So those are all those are all kinds of things that, that feed into your interest, I think, and kind of help you develop that. You get feedback from people that say, oh, this is really good, this is really, this is really tasty. And all those things kind of culminate and help you develop and consider maybe why this might be kind of a fun career. Yeah. But I do want you to go back and say a bit more about this notion of memories. I think that's a really interesting idea. So say more about what do you mean by, because one of my questions is, what do you, why do you find this work interesting? What is it about the work that you find interesting? And you connect it to the memory piece. So say more about that. Why is that important to you? Okay, so I would, I just want to start this off by saying I got into the memory piece of this by the first time I watched, funnily enough, the movie Ratatouille, where this very, uh, I would say, this person has a lack of feelings. (laughs) (laughs) That's the the critic, right? Yes, this food critic Uh came to this very nice restaurant, and he got served a plate of Ratatouille. He got... He took one bite, and it went to this stage where he was, the food critic was a child, and he was, he had this costume of being an astronaut, and he was inside a rocket, and he was zooming around the whole house, and he was just having so much fun, and it brought him back to his childhood. Hmm. That's where he got the idea. Yeah. And I think that's uh, what... What started that? Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about what you think you're going to have to do to develop this into an actual real line of work. What kind of education or training do you expect you're going to have to to do to prepare yourself to do this work? Okay, so I'm I'm definitely going to have to go to culinary school. I know that. Um, I'm I also think that if I want to open a restaurant, I to help benefit myself I would have to go to business I would have to get a business degree mm-hmm. and so all together I would think that would take about five or six years so I would definitely still have to keep on practicing cooking and like you said when we were practicing it might help if I waited tables because I still get that restaurant feel mm-hmm. but I also get to see what customers like what they want what they want don't want <laughs> and what they're interested in mm-hmm. plus you get to make some tips that's always exactly. fun right yeah um, all right so when you think about when you're in this field let's imagine that you're in this field what what do you expect to be doing on a day-to-day basis as a chef what what do you imagine your day will look like um, I, I assume that my day is going to look like I wake up every morning, 
I make myself breakfast, I go to work, and I start making incredible food. And every once in a while, I know, because now everyone is going to have something that they don't like. So I'm always going to have to expect that some kind of food is going to get sent back to the kitchen at some point or another. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to have to learn who likes what in that field. Mm -hmm. So I can imagine it's a process of really um, experimentation, really putting food out, seeing what people say they like about it, what they don't like about it, and then adjusting your menu from there. All right. Well, um, one last question before we go to break here, if we can. Um, have What do your friends or your family say when you tell them you want to do this kind of work? What's their reaction? So their reaction is, wow, um, is there anything that you like to cook specifically? Is there anything that you just love to cook? That's basically what they say. Hmm, every time, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's... Either that or something very closely related to that. Okay. Um, I fibbed. We have time for one more question. Okay. Uh, have you ever imagined doing any other kinds of work? Is there anything else on that radar that might be of interest to you? Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what kind I would be, but I would want... My second choice would to be a doctor, and I that came from... <laughs> I I started watching this show called Untold Stories of the ER, <laughs> and <laughs> it's just about people being sick and how they get through it and what these different kinds of medications and paralytics are. It, I just think it's uh, something that has influenced that idea and something that I like watching, okay. and so that's influenced it. Okay, well, those are pretty diverse ideas there, a chef or a doctor. That's the great thing about being young, right? We're, we're not stuck either way, just so. She's only 12. She, she's got time to make up her mind and more time to be exposed to other people that are doing this kind of work. Um, but it's about time for us to take our, our first break here. So we've been on the air with my daughter, Gabby Cortez. She's a 12-year-old girl here in, here in Dallas. She goes to an all-girls school, middle school. And right now, today, she aspires to be a chef when she grows up. So she's been working on a cooking blog as well. So if you want to visit that, you can go to Tumblr. And by the way, there's no E in Tumblr. It's T-U-M-B-L-R dot com. And search for her blog. It's called Gabby's Gastronomy to see what she's been up to. So stay tuned. After the break, we're going to be bringing in Sedalia Rochelle, who is a classmate of Gabby's. You'll get to hear about her amazing career aspiration. Stay tuned. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to Working on Purpose. Before we went on break, we were speaking with my daughter, Gabby Cortez, about her interest in becoming a chef. Well, now I've switched guests. Now I brought on Sedalia Rochelle, and she's going to talk to us about her interest. Before we get to that, though, let me give a quick introduction. I always like to say how I know these people. So... I got to meet Sedalia uh, during school, of course. She is a classmate of my daughter's, and I saw her at the welcoming ceremony, and her name was announced. She came across the stage with this hopelessly big grin on her face, confidence brimming from ear to ear as she sauntered across the stage. She looked very comfortable up there, like most of us never are that comfortable on stage, certainly not when we're 12 years old. And I thought to myself, wow, what a kid. Little did I know there was so much more to her. And where it gets really fun is when I was contemplating bringing on kids to showcase for this show, uh, Gabby had already said to me, not if, but when are you, am I going to be on your show? And I knew that she needed to have a sidekick with her. And so I said, who do you know at school who knows what they want to be when they grow up? Um, what would that, do you know anybody? And she says, yeah, I do know someone. Say, Dalia knows what she wants to be when she grows up. And I kind of asked her a little bit about it. I said, well, what is it? And she said, well, she just, she wants to make a difference. And I thought, well, that could be a lot of things. And then handily, when I got to meet you and see you at the field trip uh, a couple weeks ago, and I got to ask you, because I wanted to know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And you told me, which I'm going to let you say later on, I was like, oh, this is perfect for my show. I'm so glad you're here, Sedalia. Welcome to the Working on Purpose show. Thank you, and I'm glad to be here. It's going to be fun. So I'm going to ask you some similar questions that I asked Gabby here to get us started here. We already know your name and how old you are, and that you're in middle school here in Dallas. Um, what kind of subjects do you like to study in school? In school, my favorite subjects would be social studies and reading. Okay, so what's funny about that, that's almost the opposite of Gabby, although she's liking, she's liking reading more these days. I love social studies, too. What is it about social studies that you like? It's just that when I'm learning social studies, it gives me a better idea of what I want to do in the world, and it helps me understand more about the world, and it gives me, like, like the difference in social studies and everything that it gives you, like what's going on in the world, what has happened in the world and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And all the people that are out there, all the yeah. different kinds of people and what they do and how they live. 
I love that part of it too. Loved it. Uh, so when you're not in school, what do you do with your time? Besides studying and going to school every day, what else do you do with your time? What kind of hobbies do you have? I do gymnastics, track, soccer, and also sometimes I do dance. That's quite a, quite a lot to juggle. Is that something that you do on a fairly regular basis, all those things at the same time, or are they different seasons? Well, I do soccer in the spring. I do gymnastics on and off, and I, do, and I um, did dance this summer, well, last summer. And um, I do track mostly in the spring and summer. Okay. And why those things? Those are all pretty fairly intense activities. Why, why those activities? What do you like about them? Well, track... I just love to run because everybody, they judge me because I'm really short. So most of the time, I just show them instead of speaking. So hmm. I'm, I'm a very fast person in track. So I just want to show my speed instead of talking to them. And in soccer, I love soccer because it shows them not to judge me by what they see and by just the person that I am. And I love gymnastics because I'm flexible and like, I'm just very flexible and everything, and I just love to dance. Mm-hmm. What kind of dance do you like? Hip-hop and jazz and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So you like the PE programs that we had this year, I'm guessing, yes? yes? <laughs> I think it took a while for Gabby to get used to them, but you liked them because it was all dance-based. Okay. Uh, well, let's talk a little bit about what you just said there with regard to the, the track. It's really interesting, and one of the things that is distinguishing about you is your height. How mm-hmm. tall are you? I'm 4'3". Three. 4'3", three. Okay. I think it's fascinating that you as a young person has somehow been able to get into your head that you want to distinguish yourself from how people might perceive you based on your height. And so you're doing things, you're going for speed and track, you're going for performance in soccer. Where did that idea come from? How'd you get that? Well, it's just that the person that I am, because every time I go to school, everybody thinks, like the first day of school, Everybody thought they're like, is that somebody's sister or anything? But once they saw me on stage, they're like, oh, she goes here. <laughs> that's Yeah, then, that's what I thought, too. Yeah. And then they started seeing me in school, and they're like, wow, like, she doesn't let things get to her and everything. Because at one point, people started judging me, and I just, I didn't let, I didn't let it get to me. I just kept walking. I had a grin on my face, and I would go to class. I would get straight A's, and I would just walk out like... Nothing, like they said, they, did, they didn't say anything. Mm. Where do you get this personal strength from? My mother. Yeah, she's pretty awesome. Yeah. You're going to keep her? Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. Good. Okay, well, let's talk about this idea that you have of what you want to be when you grow up. Tell us what you want to be when you grow up. When I grow up, I plan on being the first African-American female president. Of the United States of America. Isn't that fantastic? Wow, that has a great ring to it, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay, we got. I got a lot of questions about that. First, where did you get this idea? Where did this come from? Well, in class, I at first I was struggling with social studies, but then I started to get the hang of it and everything. So then once, like in fourth grade, I developed the idea that I wanted to change the world one day. So I wanted to change the world one day. So I decided on being something different with my doing something dif- different with my career. So I decided to be the first African American president because I wanted to set an example for women all across the world and I wanted to show an example of how African Americans can stand out even though they have a different skin color and everything else. Mhm. So you knew so you're in 6th grade now. 
You've known for how many years that you think you want Three. to be president? Three years. Okay. Okay. So you're talking about the idea of role modeling for other ladies and other girls. Do you have any role models yourself? Anybody that you look up to? Well, my mother, because she shows so much strength and she cares. She's a very strong woman. And I just love her a lot. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. It's great to hear kids talk like that about their parents and certainly the parents to be able to to appreciate their children. And along those lines, one of the things I guess I want to say at this juncture is my own personal perspective as a parent, as someone that is a, I'm a Gallup certified strengths coach. And so I do look at the world as, you know, what can a person be? What's already right with a person and how can we make it even better? And so one of the things that I've tried to do with my own daughter, and it sounds like your mom is doing this with you, Mm -hmm. is I've tried to try to figure out, well, who is this kid? What is this wonderful human creature that's been given to me? Let me try to figure out who she is at her core and develop that and help her find a way to make that work in the world. Mm -hmm. Does that sound at all like what your mom has been doing for you? That's what it sounds like from the outside to me. That's beautiful. And she's, I don't even think she's a strengths coach, is she? (laughs) She just knows this naturally. Okay, well, let's say a little bit more about this. I, I, wanna, I want the listeners to be able to understand this is a very powerful goal that you have for yourself. And it's not like it's just been here and today. It's this week that you thought about it. It would be kind of a cool thing to do. You've been living with this dream for at least three years now. So can you say more about some of the influences that made you think about that or maybe have helped contribute to that idea? When I first told my mom, she was like, like, really? Is that what you want to do? First, she thought, like, maybe she's just saying this. Maybe she's not really sure. But once I kept telling her, like, I'm going to change the world one day, she started believing me. She started helping me in school and everything with my social studies grades. She she started helping me with my fluency and speaking and everything. And she helped me be the articulate person that I am today. You are very articulate. So is your mom the person who sits in the audience doing your practice speeches? Yes. <laughs> What kind of what kind of critic is she? Does she does she tell you you need to say more about this? Do you need to maybe use a little more vocal variety? What kind of feedback does she give you when you when you practice with her? Well, she helps me like with words that I don't know. She tells me to look it up. So I fir- first I look it up and then she helps me pronounce them. So then she helps me pronounce them and we keep going over the word over and over again until I have a very good understanding of the word and then we put it together in a speech or something. And then we do the speech over and over again until I can speak it good and fluent. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of practice, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah, and you've got to be able to bring it into your person so it comes out naturally and not sounding like you're reading it from a page, right? Mm-hmm. That's hard to do. It's hard work. It takes a lot of practice to do that. And one of the things that you did say in, in your introduction, at least the one that we have written for the episode, is that you do do, it looks like, speech contests. Is that right? Mm-hmm. How did you get into that? Well, I first started in pre-k or kindergarten i think wow really yes and in kindergarten i first did it for in front of the whole school and i was in kindergarten so i and i got first place and everybody they were like wow like she actually did that and once i got off stage everybody was cheering and everything but then i started like getting into it as i grew up so i did it in in kindergarten second grade and in fifth grade and I won first and second place in both of them. So as I grew older, I learned to speak fluently. I learned to learn more and everything about the oratoricals and everything like that. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this has been an early strength for you. So one of the things that I find interesting, I'm also a meaning in work researcher in relation to how people experience their identities or who they are. And so I've had the chance to have 115 conversations in the last couple of years with people to learn about how they experience their work, and etc. And several of them have told me that they had an early interest in something and somehow amazingly they found their way and that's the kind of work they do today. I think it's remarkable that you could get up in front of the whole class, the whole school, not the class, the whole school, and give a speech. Were you nervous at all at first? At first, when I first got on the stage, but once I started saying my speech, I, all the nervousness just left my body. So whose idea was that? Did you say, Mom, I want to I I address the whole school? I mean, where'd that idea come from? Well, the principal came to our class and she told us about like the speech and everything. She asked our teacher, who would you like to represent your class? And she picked me. So I went home that day and I told my mom. So we just went over the speech like for a week. Then at the end of the week, I had to give the speech in front of the whole school. And I ended up getting first place. Do you remember how many students were in the whole school? No, ma'am. Okay. I would say a lot. Yeah. (laughs) There were a lot of eyeballs looking back at you, huh? Wow. Uh, well, let's talk about this idea that you're you're saying about changing the world. That is really quite an, an interesting perspective, especially from a twelve year old. So, how do you want to change the world? What do you what do you want to change it from and to? Well, how the world is, we see a lot of African Americans getting shot and everything today. Mm-hmm. I want to stop all that. Like once I'm the president, like I know I'm going to be. So once I'm the president, I want to change the world by giving laws that will benefit Americans today and tomorrow and for the past, I mean, for the future. And I want to change the world by helping Americans, African-Americans, anybody. Then, I mean, I want to help help them, anybody, by benefiting them, not just myself or my race, but everybody in the whole world. Mm-hmm. So then, do you have, it sounds, you're talking about laws right now, and that is a part of it. Is that a big part of your interest in helping to be able to maybe change legislation, or is that just a small part as an example you're giving? It's just the example, but I just want to, instead of just like the legislative part, I want to change the whole thing, like everything about it. Mm-hmm. So, since you study social studies, part of what I hear you talk about there, and this is really interesting, the idea of being able to shelp, or excuse me, shape cultures, being able to shape people's perspectives and such, there's a, there is an educational component to that, and there is an influencing component to that. That sounds like it's interesting to you. Am I, is that right, or do I have yes. that? Okay. That's what it sounds like when I hear you talk, because in order to affect those kinds of changes, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to change people's perspectives in some ways, change their minds about things that they think that they know. Mm-hmm. And that'll be a big challenge for you. So your ability to be able to speak in front of people will help you tremendously. But have you thought at all about like messages that you think are important that for people to know? Is there a perspective or a value that you feel like you work from? Well, since I'm this young, I really, I think about it a little, but Along the way, I know I would develop and think about it more, but since I'm this young, I haven't really thought about it like that much. That's com- completely fair, Sedalia. If you would have come out with a whole speech about that, I, w- I would have probably had to run out of the room <laughs> because that would be like overwhelming for a 12-year-old to be able to know something at, at that level. So I, I understand that. I just, it just was a curiosity for me. Um, 
So is there anything else about this idea of affecting change, this idea of changing the world? And when you say the world, I mean, obviously, being the president of the United States, you do have impact over the rest of the world. But mm-hmm. you seem to be talking about things on a global basis, not just a, a national American basis. Is that right? Yes. Okay. I want to work with, like, different people from other country, from other countries, from other continents and everything like that. And I want to get them on the same, the same level that I'm on. And help them change what's happening in their continent, what's happening there, what's happening here. I want them to be on the same level that I'm on and to help them understand what I'm trying to say, what I'm trying to do for the whole world. Mm-hmm. So one thing I wonder about, it's very interesting when I hear someone have the kind of perspective that you do. It makes me wonder if you're the kind of kid where if you saw somebody being picked on or bullied in school, what would be your reaction to that? What, what, what would you do or say if you saw something like that happening at school? First, I would go get a teacher. And that has happened in school, like this year. Mm-hmm. I went to go get a teacher. They didn't do anything about it. So I went up to the people. I said, you should just stop because what if they were doing this to you? How would you feel? Mm-hmm. And they immediately stopped and they just walked away. So then I went to the principal and I told her about it. And she helped the student and she told the parents of the other students that were bullying her. And she told them to stop. She told them the consequences that would happen if they kept doing it and everything. That is really remarkable. So there was just a sense that I had. This is the great thing about getting to work with people the way that I do. My background is in psychology and sociology. I had a sense that you have, there's a justice bug in you. There's a little justice tickle in you that seems Mm -hmm. to be orienting you. And it made me think that just maybe you would be that one person that would find a way to be able to stand up to bullies and such. And that is remarkable, Sedalia. It's remarkable and wonderful that you can do that. And the fact that you had such a clear head about it that you could say, how would you feel if somebody was doing that to you and they actually stopped is amazing. You know that, right? So after you did that, what did it feel like? I felt good because I actually did something about it and then just watched them get bullied and everything. I actually did something to stop them, to make it better instead of worse. Well, it's it's impressive, and I had a suspicion that's what you were going to say. I can't imagine with the kind of person that you are talking about being and becoming that you would be able to walk by something like that. So it's it's not surprising, but it's still incredibly commendable. And again, what that gets to, Sedalia, is that role model that you're talking about being for other people. That is remarkable. So we're about to go into our, our second break here. Uh, for those of you who've been listening, we've been on the air with Sedalia Rochelle, who has been sharing her career aspiration to be the first African-American female president of the United States. So after the break, we're going to learn a little bit more about what she expects to do to continue to prepare for that, what she imagines she'll be doing maybe as she, when she comes into that role, and just more about where the idea came from. Stay tuned. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. 
making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Divorce leaves behind some lasting scars. Besides the emotional impact of starting over, keeping your family in order, co-parenting, and the general confusion that comes with it, there are also financial impacts, slow and grueling legal processes, and lack of support and resources to turn to. Tune in to Divorce Sucks, a smart girl's guide to doing it better, with host Laura Maiola. We'll bring you the tools to sort it all out the right way. Every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back. We have been on the air here with Sedalia Rochelle, who has been talking about her career aspiration of becoming the first African-American female president of the United States of America. Earlier in the show, we had Gabby Cortez. These girls are both 12 years old, middle school age, and have some pretty good ideas about what it is they want to be when they grow up. And I think it's pretty exciting. Sometimes I hear from older generations who say, gosh, you know, the, you know, I'm worried about the future. Well, listening to these two young girls, I hope you're not as worried about the future. It's been really great to have you on the show, Sedalia. Thank you for having me. So let's pick up where we left off there. I want to hear a little bit more about this idea of becoming president. I think it's remarkable that you've been in these very early speech contests. You are a strong young woman who seems to know who you are pretty early on. You're able to intervene when you see bullying happening at school, which is a terrific way to model strong, positive behavior. I think all of that is terrific. I'm not surprised to hear you say any of this, but I'm I'm loving hearing you say it. So let's say a little bit more, if you will, about this idea of becoming president. What what do you imagine you would be doing? If you're president of the United States, what do you imagine you'd be doing on like a day-to-day or a regular basis? What kinds of things do you think? I expect myself to be giving speeches. I expect myself to be working with other congressmen and bettering the laws. And I expect myself to be working with the secretary, the vice president and everyone like that to help me better the state and the country. Okay. And you get to live in the White House. That can't be too bad, right? (laughs) Do you want to mow the lawn, though, out there? No. No, I don't either. That's a lot of lawn to mow. Um, All right. Well, today you are still doing speech speeches and you're doing speech contests. You are developing your physical skills. You're developing your person. I, I also want to hear more about the things that you're intentionally doing to develop this budding talent, this idea of becoming president to be the leader of, of the United States of America and influence the world. What else are you doing today to help develop maybe some of those necessary talents? Well, like you said, I, I still continue to do oratorical competitions. And in school, I am 
and I, I'm trying to succeed in social studies and I'm doing my best to succeed in school by itself. And do you really have straight A's? Yes. Wow, that's really impressive. It's This is not an easy school you girls go to, so that's really impressive, Sedalia. So let's talk about your, your study habits. How do you study? To be able to get straight A's in all your subjects is, is a pretty hard feat. Yes. So tell us about your study habits. Well, my study habits is very hard because most of the time I have back-to-back tests. So with reading, we usually just have vocabulary tests. So I study on the weekend and then I study that morning and at lunch. And then after that, I study for my social study test. I study that afternoon when I first learned about the test. I study the next day and then the day of the test. I study that morning and at lunch. Wow. Okay, what about the weekends? Do you study all through the weekends as well? Most of the time if I know I have a test. Okay. But sometimes we have quizzes and pop quizzes. So most of the time I won't know. But I still study mm-hmm. so I can learn the knowledge. So what time do you get up in the morning? I get up at 5.50 to get my hair done, and then I get up at 6.30 to get ready. Okay. And what time do you go to bed at night? I go to sleep like at 10 o'clock. Wow. That's a full day. Is it hard for you to wake up, or are you a morning person? Not at all. It's not hard for you, or you're not a morning person? I'm not a morning person. <laughs> so when that alarm goes off, do you just want to smack it? Yes. Okay, good. Then you're normal. That's good. For a while there, for just a second, I thought maybe you weren't normal, given all the stuff you're talking about. All right, well, let's say a little bit. I want to hear you say a little bit about what kind of education you expect you're going to have to get. In order to become the President of the United States, I want to hear maybe a little bit about the education that you that you imagine you're going to need to navigate for that. I think I'm going to have to study political science, and I think I'm going to have to study, like, I have to be knowledgeable about politics and worldly events that like the events that are happening in the world and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this. Along those lines, you know, obviously you've talked about some of the racial issues we've had here in the United States. Are there other maybe current events that you've that, that have caught your eye? Well, like I said, bullying, racial events, um, unfair law, stuff like that in the world. Mm-hmm. Do you have an example of what might be an unfair law? What comes to mind? Like they said, like, like, well, not really. It's just basically the laws about racial and everything like that. Okay. I think it's remarkable if you even review our own nation's history, some of the things that occurred even a quarter century ago, a half century ago. It's amazing to me that that stuff happened here in this country. I'm, I'm amazed by that. And I'm sure that as you go along, you will have to learn all those things. You're going to need to know that history and understand how that's impacted some of our attitudes, our cultures, our belief, our beliefs about things. I think that you're right, that you're going to have to study all those kinds of events. And um, history will be a big thing that you'll have to study. How do you feel about history? It's okay. It's okay. Okay. Well, that's when you get a tutor, right? If you just can't stand it, you get a tutor who helps make make it fun for you. Okay, and so what do you imagine that, it, will, you, will you get a degree, like a bachelor's in political science, or do you, what do you think you'll get your actual degree in? Well, I was, I was um, debating on getting it in political science or something else, but as time comes, I'll just have to see like, mm-hmm. yeah. what will actually happen. Well, and the other thing that's amazing about that is you're 12, so you'll be going to college in, what, about six years or so already? Mm-hmm. If you, can you believe that? Six years <laughs> of being in college. Who knows what kind of degree programs are going to have then? They change, and they, they tend to uh, mirror what's necessary in the marketplace, etc. So 
maybe the degree that you would ultimately pursue isn't in existence today, but will be when, when it's time for you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's think about the kinds of jobs. And you're going to have to build a resume. You're going to have to build work experience in order to, to become the President of the United States. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to guess it's not going to happen when you're 22 years old and graduate from, from college, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so think about a little bit just and just kind of play with this. You probably won't have the full, the full answer or the knowledge, but what kinds of jobs do you think you're going to need to do to build your experience set to become the President? Well, I know I have to continue with my study in social studies, history, I have to continue with my oratoricals to better myself in speaking because I know the president gives a lot of speeches and everything like that and everything like that. And just that. Yeah. Okay. So have you thought about like different kinds of jobs? Like, for example, let's see, a few presidents have been have been attorneys. They've been lawyers. Um, several of them have pursued various aspects of, of government, whether they were senators or governors, things like that. Have you thought at all about those kinds of roles or, or any of those sorts of things interesting to you? Yes. I've thought about either being a lawyer, a doctor, or even an actress. Mm-hmm. An actress. Wow. Well, I can totally see that. So if you really want the money, I'm just kidding. Go for <laughs> the actress. I'm just kidding. Your mom's going to get it, get me it later on. To, <laughs> but I'm joking with you. Um, those are actually very interesting. I did have a question that I wanted to ask you. Why don't we go ahead and take that now then? So if you don't become the president or as en route to becoming president, let's say it that way, shall we? Okay. There are other kinds of jobs that you'll be doing. So what kind of a doctor would you be if you could be a doctor? Maybe a surgeon. Mm-hmm. Like, why, why, why a surgeon? I don't know. Maybe the money, probably. Okay. Is it? What about cutting people? That doesn't bother you? Mm, a little, but I just know it might save their life. That's amazing. I, I would not make a good doctor of any kind. Well, anything that re- involves the blood piece, because I don't do well with that. It'd be very squeamish. I'd be the one that would faint on the floor. So <laughs> probably not a good thing if I was the surgeon, right? That sounds like it doesn't bother you. Maybe you, would, you could get used to it, but I, I know I never could. Um, and what about the actress? What kind of an actress would you be? I really don't know, but I'll just More serious, more comedy. What do you think? Serious, maybe. I think so, too. I I can't see you as being a stand-up comedian. You're funny, (laughs) but you've got too much to say, right? I don't know. So what do your friends and family say? When you've you've told your mom, she knew some time ago that you said you wanted to be president. Let's talk about that first, and then I want to hear about what some of of your friends say when you tell them about your aspirations. So you first come home from school, and you tell your mom, hmm, I think when I grow up, I want to be the president of the United States. What did you say? Well, she was very supportive. At first, like like I told you before, she was like, are you sure? Like, are you really sure? I was like, yes. And then as time went, I kept telling her, I want to be this. I want to be this. So she started helping me and she started making, like she started developing me to take the task on and everything like that. And then she helped me and so did my brother. He helped me with my speeches. He helped me with talking and everything. And my friends, they believed in me from the start, and they didn't really doubt me at all. Okay, so you've got the whole family in this endeavor, it sounds like. You've enrolled your whole family in this. Yes. So how old is your brother? He's 18, about to be 19. Okay, so what? So he's helped you with your speeches. Do you mean he's helped organize them or write them, or is he also in the, the audience when you practice? Yes. All those things. Okay, and you have a sister too, right? No. No? It's just the two of you? Okay. Yes. All right, so you've got a big brother who's looking out for you and cheering for you. Mm-hmm. What, what does he want to be when he grows up? Uh, I think he wants to be a um, physical therapist. Okay. 
Great. Well, you know what? You might need some of that as you go along, my mm-hmm. dear, right? <laughs> you can be, you, you let him practice on you, mm-hmm. just like you've been practicing on him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, well, what do your other friends say? When you, when you tell other people at school what you want to do, what are some of the reactions you get? Well, most of my friends, they say, yeah, you can do it. They encourage me and everything. But just some of my friends, they're like, well, I wouldn't set your mind on it because you're black. Like, they're like, you're black. You're not really going to be anything in the world. Wow. You've had people tell you that. Yeah. How do you respond to that? I was like, just because of the skin, but just because of my skin color doesn't mean anything. I can be anything in the world if I put my mind to it. So along those lines, one of the things that has become very evident to me listening to you, young lady, is that you have a, a remarkable work ethic. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that? Do you know where that came from? Are you aware of this? Do you know how you've been able to develop this? Well, my mom's mindset and just her encouraging me, her being by my side the whole time. But you seem like a very determined person. Do you know where you got that from? I mean, it's wonderful. Not just because somebody has a, a very encouraging parent doesn't always make them determined mm-hmm. and ambitious like you seem to be. You, but you seem to have like a fire in your belly. Do you have any idea where that's come from or where mm-hmm. it was informed? No? It's just who you are, huh? Yes. <laughs> you came out of the womb like that, probably. <laughs> okay. Well, it, it's, it's going to work well for you in life. I can tell you that now. I, I, ambition, motivation, hard work are very, very important things. And the fact that you're already aware of those things at age 12 and you're exercising them and using them to your advantage mm-hmm. is wonderful. And you will need that throughout as you pursue these kinds of dreams you will need all that and then some. And you'll need to enroll a lot of people into your fold to help you reach that goal. And that's why part of the reason I wanted to ask you about what you get for a reaction from people. Um, so the naysayers there, you'll have some of those as you go along. Mm-hmm. And they'll be, because they'll start to feel like, well, she can't be president because, gosh, what does that mean that I have to do? I mean, mm-hmm. geez, what do I have to do for myself? If she becomes president, what should I ask of myself, right? So they'll be asking those kinds of things. And some of the, the some of the, kickback you're going to get is going to come from them kind of hoping that you don't succeed because it might make them feel like they didn't maybe do as much as they wanted to or should have in their lives mm-hmm. right so you, you'll you have to know that and that's okay so mm-hmm. um any 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 advice you would give to young people out there who who are thinking about what they want to be when they grow up well my advice would be to if you have a dream go for it if you set your mind to it then you can do it don't let anyone change it and if if you think you can do it, then go for it. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. Just try, try, and try again. Very nice way to close, Sedalia. It has been really, really wonderful to have you on the show. We also had Gabby Cortez on the show earlier for the first segment here. And it's been so refreshing to hear these perspectives on work, to be able to hear where you got your interest, what kind of education you expect you're going to be able to need to achieve it what you think you're going to be doing day to day. That is so important in terms of how you forecast your life and start reaching for your dreams. And so I hope that those of you out there in the listening audience have been able to hearken back to some of your own childhood dreams and remember what did you want to be when you grew up? And hopefully like it wasn't a horse like me. (laughs) (laughs) My daughter laughed and laughed and laughed when she heard that story. She didn't know that story before, but uh, for, for many people, what I'll tell you that I've learned in my research is that for many people, those early yearnings that, that they have when they're very young can be really, really important uh, and strategic to what they do become in, their, in their, their adult life. I have one person in my research who's 73 years old who knew he wanted to be a, a scientist when he was age six. 
And so and that, another woman who knew when she was age three, she wanted to become an attorney. I mean, they, these are just stories that are real out there. So pay attention to these early yearnings. They mean something. So this has been a fun show this week. I've loved every moment of it. Next week, we get to hear from a different vantage point, and that is Wade Cottingham. He is a piano teacher here in East Dallas, and he's going to really talk to us about how much he loves teaching his students and what he's been able to do to help continue to find his passion every single day. So it's been a great dialogue. Keep up the great work. Remember that work is at least one-third of our life, so let's work on purpose. See you next week. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work. Thank you.